0: Hello Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo and you are listening to another episode of Yes UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball games ever played. And guys, the season is over. UConn basketball 2020-21 is officially in the books. And man, it's been, a, it's been quite a run. Uh, definitely been a fun season. It's, it's gotten us through a pretty wild time and, you know, you know the pandemic and just everything going on. But, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, UConn, unfortunately, will not be adding to its national championship, uh, you know, trophy case this year. Uh, the women lost in the national semifinal to Arizona the other night. And, um, you know, Tim, Tim Fontenot is here again. Tim, I, I got to say, I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. I'm not sure I saw that outcome coming. But I suppose in the end, I mean, you know, Arizona was just a, a really, really tough team. And you know, I suppose this women's, this year's UConn's women's team maybe just this will hopefully be the learning experience that will propel them into next year and beyond. So you know, first of all, how's it going? And uh, hope you're hope you're feeling uh, hope you're feeling better after the the last week of whatever you were telling me about off the air. How how how's everything been going? <laughs> I appreciate
1: that, man. Uh, I'm feeling a lot better today. I uh, thankfully wasn't dealing with COVID, but I was dealing with a lot of similar symptoms fever chills you know sore throat so it was it was a rough week and it was compounded by obviously what happened in the final four for the Yukon women just in a, a an uncharacteristic game and huge shout out to Arizona for playing a great game defensively for Ari McDonald having an outstanding game offensively and for the job that Adia Barnes did getting that team ready to play and then going on and only losing by one point in the national championship game to Stanford um, Look, this was, this was a weird game from UConn, just an uncharacteristically bad performance offensively. Um, could have done better defensively, but, I mean, McDonald was hitting everything, and she was getting a call or two here or there, and it just it didn't line up for UConn. You know, from the tip, you could just tell that Arizona was there to play, and it wasn't UConn's night.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know what? I, I think I, I want to say that Christian, Kristen Williams said after the game that they – I mean, it was an honest, but maybe unfortunate comment that basically they overlooked them. And you can kind of tell, like, I, I think, obviously, if UConn had played, brought it to A-game, they would have, you know, beaten them pretty handily. But, you know, Arizona really just made them – they really just took them out of their game, like – You know, UConn, you know, did not shoot very well. Like if it was, it was like watching the the Maryland game all over again. Like, you know, they only, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but their, their shooting on layups was abysmal. They only shot uh, 35% from the game. And I mean, we're talking about the UConn women. That's like unheard of. You know, um, yeah. you know, and Paige, you know, Paige Becker is only, I mean, I guess the final numbers don't look that bad. You know, she ended up with 18 points. She had four assists, uh, six rebounds, you know, by most people's standards, that's pretty good. But like she also only went five for 13 from the field and only even attempted three, uh, three pointers. So, you know, I just got to you know credit Arizona for that. I mean, they, they took UConn out of their game and just just beat them just straight up. Um, so, you know, obviously I I don't know if we necessarily need to like harp on the game by, you know, the play by play stuff, but what do you think, you know, we need, what do you think UConn, the the women's program, like going forward should and will learn from this? Because obviously we saw something similar to this on a smaller scale with the uh, Arkansas game this year, you know, it's a young team and everybody's coming back and then some. So what what do you think, where do you think this is going to wind up leading UConn into the future, you know, as uh, you know, painful as it is, obviously, in the short term.
1: Well, right before we went to record here, Paige Beckers was saying that this game is going to hurt for a long time. It still hurts from the other night, and it's going to hurt till they win a national championship, and you know what? That's a good thing, because this was a really ugly, naive performance from UConn, and I think Kristen Williams definitely was saying the quiet part out loud when, you know, they they probably overlooked Arizona and it showed, you know, Paige was trying to force a lot of stuff at some at points because, you know, that's what it felt like she needed to do for them to win the game because they just weren't no one else was really stepping up outside of Williams, who had an outstanding game again with you know, a twenty point performance. Um, I thought Avina Westbrook looked good at times, but you know, they went they were so bad right under the rim. Trying to score, like you said, it felt like the the men's game against Maryland all over again. I mean, Olivia nelson adota goes zero for seven from the field. She ends up with just one point. Aliyah Edwards misses half her shots under the hoop. Like that's you can't have that from your bigs, and we know that every team that comes up against UConn is gonna have to is gonna lock down on Paige Beckers, or at least this season we knew this was gonna be the case, and I think it was McDonald who was on Beckers and did an outstanding job, and. They just—they weren't giving her room to to do anything. Like she couldn't take the game over the way you would have wanted her to at times. And no one, with the exception of Williams, really stepped up to try to fill that void. And you know, here we are. It shows. They, you know, the best shooting team in the country ends up, you know, just looking abysmal offensively. And it actually that performance knocked them off the number one line when it comes to uh, field goal percentage. Iowa ends up the. Top team in the country for the season shooting. And you know, this was just, this was brutal. I, I hope it stings for a long time. I hope that this team doesn't forget what this feeling was like because, you know, here we are five straight, you know, five straight seasons in the final four. I guess four straight final fours. So I forget what it is. This pandemic has kind of uh broken me in terms of the years. But yeah, it's, since 2016 without a national title, like that's not good enough for this program. And, you know, they do have a great team. Everyone coming back next year, they're loading up with some really great freshmen and, you know, hopefully all of them come together and realize that this is not, what we expect from a UConn team in the final four and it can't happen again.
0: Yeah. I think I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to mention how it were UConn women's basketball is in an interesting spot. So it's been five years since the most recent championship. They obviously won four straight with Brianna Stewart, which was and is just an insane accomplishment that I almost feel like we took for granted at the time. And now, you know, here we are now five years later and four tournaments later, and you look at who's won the championship since then, South Carolina, South Carolina, Notre Dame, Baylor, and Stanford. Those are the f- basically the other four best teams in the country, and they've been the best programs in the country. And yet, like, UConn's been in the Final Four every year, and they've, like, hit a rut where they, like, can't breakthrough and kind of, you know, obviously UConn still has a perfect record in national championship games. So it's kind of weird how that that's is the positive
1: from that, uh, that, that a weird positive from the other day.
0: Yeah. that stat like <laughs> remains a thing, I guess. So I, I I wonder like kind of how we as fans of the sport and also as fans of UConn should feel about this because on one hand UConn is, it, it appears that the rest of the sport is catching up to UConn and that was inevitable at some point, you know, UCLA had a very UConn women's esque run back in the six 60s and 70s. And then eventually everyone else caught up and the sport was better for it. And the sport, like, you know, think about what happened after UCLA's dynasty. You end up getting like Magic Bird, was not too long afterwards. And then you have the whole run of great teams in the 80s. The Big East becomes a thing, obviously. And just, you know, the sport takes off. So I'm, I'm wondering now, you know, do we just kind of obviously we have very high hopes for UConn next year. So obviously you don't want to, you know, give anybody the wrong idea that UConn is somehow doing anything wrong. So how, you know, is it good or bad for the sport, I guess, that this is where we're at? And now, obviously, UConn has, well, a, a wrecking crew coming in, hopefully, for next year, and yeah, I guess we'll, we'll see how that happens. What do you, what do you <laughs> think about where, where we find ourselves, you know, as UConn women's basketball fans, uh, big picture right now?
1: Yeah, I think that's such an interesting point of view, an interesting question, because obviously, you know, us growing up or being UConn fans for as long as we have been, you know, the expectation is to win every year. And when we don't, it's incredibly upsetting. It's disappointing. But, you know, still, like, it's so great for the sport to have other teams. And, you know, it's not to say that there weren't other teams that were competing throughout those years. I think it's just – I think that's just even more of a testament to what UConn has been is that through the rise of women's basketball programs, and I think about some of the teams that have made runs to the Final Four, in starting with UConn's four national championships that year. California made a great run to the Final Four, and that fourth that fourth title in a row. You had Syracuse and Washington, teams that you wouldn't normally see in the Final Four. and In the meantime, you've seen Mississippi State obviously pulled off one of the great upsets in the Final Four with that buzzer beater against UConn, and you know for us. The final four losses hurt so much. But it's also because everyone else is like is watching these amazing teams knock off Yukon and it's such a great statement for those programs, for the sport, and it's huge national intrigue. It we just we have to kind of separate ourselves, I think, as Yukon fans. We can be you know, we can be upset and we can look at, you know, what went wrong for UConn. You know, this this is going to hurt for a long time. But at the same time, we're seeing Arizona go from 6-24 and 24, four seasons ago to losing to Stanford by one point in the national championship game after beating UConn by 10. We're seeing, you know, teams like Mississippi State and Stanford finally winning a national championship after all that time. I can't believe the Cardinal haven't won since 1992 with – all of the amazing players that have come through there with having one of the two greatest coaches active in women's basketball. It's just, it's wild to me. And I think this was such a great tournament just with, you know, how competitive it was from start to finish with all the great games we saw across the different regions and into the final four. You know, we want to win every year. That's the expectation that we have. But when we don't, it's still like we're still right there in the middle of it. But it's such a great testament to the rise of the sport that there are so many, like there are so many teams that can have a go at UConn, it can have a go at each other, and you can have a stretch where after four straight UConn titles, you have four straight different national champions, and there are a lot of other teams that are in the conversation in each of those years.
0: Absolutely, I, yeah, I think in the grand scheme of things, it's really great that Stanford finally got one, because boy, they're all in so much trouble next year. <laughs> Next, yeah. <laughs> next year is going to be something else. Um, and so we should just, you know, let as, as tough as this year was, and the next time UConn wins a national championship, it's going to feel damn good. I think, you know, yeah. they're definitely, so as everybody who listens to this show for a while has probably heard me say many times, I came to UConn, you know, as a freshman. I had no interest really before that. And so my freshman year was uh, the first of the back-to-back Maya Moore championships. They didn't lose a game until I was a junior. So, you know, I had back-to-back perfect seasons and it was just like, all right, you know, the UConn women just win, period. And up until, I guess, the last couple of years, that's more or less kind of been the case. And, you know, when they lost to Mississippi State on that, you know, buzzer beater a couple of years ago, my, my feeling was, wow, this hurts. But like you know what? Good for them. You know, I'm, we've, we've, <laughs> we've had a lot of, a lot to celebrate these past few years. Well, now my reaction on Arizona was like, well, man, that's, that sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want to, yeah. I want them to win, you know, Paige like has to like keep up with Brianna Stewart or something like, you know, so whatever it is, what it is next year is going to be dope. Um, So we'll, we'll just looking ahead. Paige Beckers just won the wooden award and has basically like swept the player of the year awards. This girl's a freshman. My God, we, we talk about it all the time. So now that the season is over, I feel like we should try to put it into perspective. What is, like, how crazy is, like, what Paige accomplished this year? And I don't know, do we do we really appreciate just how awesome it was this year? Is it, like, is it something that we may not appreciate for, many, for a while to come?
1: I think it's something that you can really appreciate right in the immediate moment when it's happening. And obviously, for Paige... All of these Player of the Year titles—they're not going to mean as much without a national championship. That's just going to motivate her, and like, my God, getting in Paige's way after the after losing to Arizona like that—I would not want to be the person who tries to stand in the way of her winning three straight titles. Like, it's gonna—it's gonna be terrifying to watch where she goes from here because this was such an unbelievable freshman season, and you know we've talked about it a couple times. Uh, On this show, like she comes in and has to be the star right away when the star freshmen who have come in in the past have had all Americans and national champions and elite legends of this program still there as juniors or seniors and sometimes even sophomores. So they don't necessarily have the pressure on them to be elite right away. She needed to be. And she delivered in a big way. She she's doing things as a basketball player that we haven't seen, and it just it's unbelievable to watch. And for her to do that as a freshman, and now for her to have done those things as a freshman and to come back with a chip on her shoulder, I I don't even it's it's unbelievable to think about what it's going to be uh, these next three years of Paige. And there's a there's a freshman coming in around the corner who some people will say has more talent than Paige. So that's just a terrifying combination.
0: Yeah, I, I don't I don't even know what to say about that. It's like, you know, what the next few years is gonna be like, I just keep thinking about that Hulk gift from the uh from the the first Avengers movie where he just like yeah. ragdolls Loki and that's just what I'm envisioning like Paige and you know a- AZ Fudd and all these girls doing to people next year. The whole team is coming back. Avina Westbrook announced yeah. this week that she's staying You know, everybody else is back on board. You know, we talk about, you know, Christian Williams, you know, Vina Westbrook, Olivia Nelson adota These are really good players who like, you know, I, I mean, just, I guess just by virtue of playing for UConn, sometimes maybe like they get a little bit of hate because they're not, you know, Sue Bird or, you know, or Brianna Stewart. Like they're, they're just like super, super, super good. And not like crazy, like, uh, generational yeah. talents. Well, guess what? Paige is a trans. trans- what? What's the word? A generational <laughs> talent. We'll, we'll go with. Yeah. And yeah. you know, Az Fudd is too. And you know, Caroline Do Charm is no slouch either. Apparently, this girl can like shoot the lights out of the building like nobody's business. So yeah, I I don't even know what to say. It's just going to be a a hell of a, it's going to be, yeah, I'll tell you this. I I hope they smoke everybody next year. I hope they go undefeated. I hope they win all their games and I hope they win the title, but I, I do hope that at least the rest of the sport steps up and keeps it interesting. Like, you know, I don't yeah. – the, the one of the worst things about watching UConn in their best years was when they would get a one versus two matchup against, like, Duke or North Carolina or whoever the great team of that year was, and they'd roll them by 30. And you're like, w- what are we even doing here? Like, this is just a joke. Yeah. You know, it's more fun when, like, a, you know – more than one epic elite team exists at once. So I hope what we get is basically a 2009-2010 Yukon women's team only with like three or four other teams in the country who are actually at that level too, which has never been the case before.
1: I, I wonder if we're going to get that because, you know, my I love to say hell hath no fury like a Yukon team coming off a loss, which, reminder, they haven't lost back-to-back games since like 1993 which is just one of the stupidest stats in the history of sports. Um, I I feel like you apply that to this team coming off of this loss and it's just gonna be it's gonna be ridiculous next year. Like I, I don't think there's any way they don't come in as the overwhelming favorite to win the national title. And I think you could run into a situation where it's Yukon, then you know, two to like let's say two to eight, two to ten, and then everyone else where I think that 2-10 to 10 range is going to be really, really good. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch those teams. But, you know, UConn's going to go into this season with a chip on his shoulder, and that's scary. And they're going to, like, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to assume things. But it just it feels like a situation where UConn's going to go in and just, you know, stomp on everybody after uh, something like this. But they also... You know they haven't necessarily proven as a group that they can do that yet, but you know another another year for these players, and I'll tell you what you know we're gonna we're talking we're gonna talk a lot about Paige's leap as a sophomore. You know, for as amazing as Paige was this season, and it was one of the great seasons, the great season by a freshman. You can't forget about Aaliyah Edwards, who was incredible, and I think you know I kind of look at them as kind of like. A, an up and coming Maya Moores Tina, Maya Moore Tina Charles kind of duo, I think they're gonna she's gonna be amazing. And Nika Mule had an outstanding freshman year as well. It's like it's we, we know this. it's not just Paige and that's one of the most exciting things.
0: It's gonna be a lot of fun. So big picture, I feel like women's college basketball really resonated in a way that it hasn't like this year that it, you know it just like felt like it mattered more. You know, in terms of just like the amount of traction it got on social media, the amount of engagement it got, like the obviously the NCAA's colossal missteps, <laughs> as bad as they oh, were, yes. they, they did they did get a lot of attention, and a lot of interest, and a lot you know a lot of sympathy and you know a lot of generally the consensus it feels like among you know people whose opinion should be taken seriously is that you know women's basketball, you know women's basketball is really on the rise and it's something you know what was it called like. It's a, it's a really great opportunity for growth for people in the sports business, you know, and for the sport itself, obviously. And one that I th- feel like people are finally waking up be like, hey, you know what? If we, like, invest in this and take it seriously, this could blow up. Like, I, I, I've, never, yeah. I've never understood why, you know, women's basketball, you know, college and pro at large, couldn't be like, you know, say women's tennis, which, you know feels like a huge deal and it always has. And, you know, you don't, you don't really have haters being like, you know, talking smack about women's tennis players, like whatever, you know, I don't know what it is about the sport that like works that way, but you know, it feels like basketball has a, has an opportunity to really step up its game, you know, culturally. So how do you, what do we, I guess what's, what comes next? Uh, You know, how does the sport take advantage of the momentum? And I guess, what can we hopefully see to maybe see it reach that potential?
1: That's a good question. Um, first of all, very excited about the upcoming WNBA season. Um, I think that's just a natural progression from a great year of women's college basketball straight in, uh, into the WNBA at some point this year. Um, got my WNBA hoodie, got my Connecticut Sun hoodie. I'm ready for whenever that starts. But teams continuing to step up to challenge UConn, I think, is always a big thing. You know, all these games, you know, the more games we get on national TV where it's not just UConn rolling over everyone is is gonna be great. If we can get more of those more matchups like some of the great games we saw during this NCAA tournament on national TV consistently throughout the year, I think that just makes the sport so much better and gets more eyes on it throughout the year because there are great games throughout the season in women's basketball. And it, it's not just March, it's not just, you know, the NCAA tournament. It's something where if you put it if you put it in a in a spot where there are going to be eyes on it, people will see what a great competition it is.
0: Oh, absolutely! I think it was awesome to see that we had a couple of the big tournament games on ABC, and yeah. I, I think it'll be great. You know, there is um, you know, R- Richard Deitch from the uh, Athletic had a column basically saying like they need to put it on ABC, the title game, and like the the whole women's final four, and I uh, guess he talked to some executives and some people who actually would have some sway, and they were like. Hey, you know what? We we wouldn't rule that out in the future, you know, for you know, for obviously you have for ABC you are take you're have to balancing like things like, you know, the uh, the NBA, you have to balance the NHL coming to ESPN and ABC next year and or in the future. Right. You, got, you know, Major League Baseball, you got the Masters, you got you got a lot of other stuff. So, it's a puzzle. That I recognize it's not as simple as saying, "Oh, just put it on ABC." There's you know, there's got there's got to be some stuff that'll be worked out. But you know, if, if yeah. they do, the ratings have been there. You know, the ratings for some of the best games this year and over the past couple of years are comparable to, well, frankly, whatever else, you know, all those other sports I just listed, like the ratings are as good or better than anything you'll get with those on any given night, like in, you know, early yeah. April. I mean, we're not talking about the NFL, and certainly we're not talking about the ratings that, like, you know, the men's Final Four games get right now. But I, the way I feel like we need to look at it is, like, you the, the – um women's college basketball is like 30 or 40 years behind where the men's are in terms of its growth as like, you know, as a sport and as like, you know, engaging with fans like we're like we're kind of in like that mid 70s moment in men's college basketball. And then what happened? It blew up and it blew up because they marketed it. They made smart decisions and they had stars they got stars in women's college basketball right now. You've got Paige Beckers. Absolutely. You've got Caitlin Clark. You've got some great, you know, other people coming up. Easy Fudd next year. And here, here's the other. So a other...
1: Prince for the social media crowd.
0: Oh, I sure. Mean, absolutely. Like
1: even the social media aspect is huge. I mean, she blew up as a TikTok star through, uh through this tournament and resonating with people beyond basketball fans.
0: Yeah. And like, it's that's like a trend across the board. I mean, we talked about this last week too, how like, if you look at like the, the most like social media followers of, you know, the men's and women's college basketball players, like the women and like kind of clean up in that department and yeah. the added benefit, one more thing, they stick around like Paige Beckers is going to be playing at UConn for like what, at least two more years, maybe longer. Hell, if she, if she wanted to, she could play four more years at UConn. She has an extra yeah, year of oh eligibility. My gosh, that's true. So like, you know, wow. these these people stick around and you can actually like build up stars and market in them. Just, just like you had with Patrick Ewing at Georgetown and Michael Jordan at, you know, at North Carolina and these guys like that, like all I'm, you know, all I'm saying is the, if if the NCAA learns anything from this year, and I I hope you know what when there's money involved, the NCAA usually pays attention. It's like one of the few things you can count on them is to follow the, the you know follow the checkbook. I yeah. I think hope and you know obviously a little bit of shame, <laughs> you know getting shaming them and <laughs> shaming them into making the right decision. This if there's any good thing that comes out of the the debacle that was their handling of the women's basketball tournament, hopefully we'll see some real improvement in the years to come, and maybe. Who knows? Well hopefully by the time my kids are old enough to pay attention to basketball, the days of you know, people being like, er, no you know, no one watches women's basketball on T V. or er, go do, you know, some misogynistic comment about this or that. It will be over. Like yeah. I, I really look forward to that. I think it'll be yeah. whether you know, I don't know what I'm having yet, but whether boy or girl, I, I plan on taking them to a lot of UConn women's games when the when the time comes. So you know it's nice. gonna be a good time.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, speaking from someone who works at the major player in women's basketball when it comes to when it comes to media rights and stuff like that obviously you know i you know i'm not in a position where i know you know the tv side as much but you know when the when the company gets its you know gets behind something it gets behind it in a big way so if you know if we really talk about promoting you know games on you know big nationally televised games that aren't just Yukon, that have the backing of promotion, that have, you know, digital media shows around them, that have video aspects around them that go beyond just what you see on TV. If you get people really buying into these games, you know, people are gonna watch. And, you know, part of the thing is, oh no one watches women's basketball. People want to watch women's basketball. Put it on a platform for people to be able to consume it and they will consume it.
0: There's one one other aspect of this discussion I just wanted to bring up too. I noticed something this year that was, I, I'm not sure I saw much of before and I hope we see more of in the future. It's just like the conversation around, specifically with Paige Beckers and Caitlin Clark, there was a lot of people talking smack. A lot of people were just like, yo, Paige is going to smoke Caitlin in Iowa or vice versa. And like, you know, there was some element within the fan base of people being like, hey, you know, don't hate on these girls. You know, we everybody can be great. And it's like, I love that we've like gotten to the point in the sports growth where we can kind of normalize smack talk about who's better, cause that's that's like the most normal thing you can do about consuming sports. So if we can get yeah. to the point where bros are just like you know hanging out in the dorm room or whatever, just being like like yo that like you see you see Paige just like just smoke somebody <laughs> from I don't know who whoever you want to <laughs> pick, like I I love I feel like that's a great a great point where you know once. We really once we consume and talk about the sport the same way we do everything else, it'll be really great to see. You
1: know, we love we love those debates on Twitter. You know, especially we saw like Becker's and Clark this year, but there are so many great players that it's going to continue to be a conversation. And you know, as teams get better and there are more really really great teams out there, you're going to get that smack talk between teams because they're going to schedule each other. And I think that's something that you see more in women's basketball than you do in the men's game where the, the elite teams are scheduling each other because they want to test each other in the regular season. And you know, those games are going to, they're going to have all the eyeballs on them. So people are going to be talking like that and it's going to be great.
0: Yeah. It's just, it was an observation I had. I was like, yeah, give me more of this. I, I don't, we don't need any people just being like, Hey, how can it look? Well, like, let's just, let's just have it all be a tie. No, Yeah. <laughs> no, let's, let's not let's, let's, do let's you know let's have some fun here. Um, all right, well before we before let's let's why don't we move on? I did have um, one UConn men's related note. I feel like we should address. Uh, Josh Carlton, he's going to Houston, which is pretty dope. Houston's just just coming off a Final Four appearance, and uh, I I think he'll he'll get some good minutes there. You know he he's uh there. I don't. I mean, obviously, I haven't paid super close attention to Houston's roster construction, but you know, they. I do. I do know that they should have some room room in their front court rotation next year, and uh, obviously, they know Carlton well. You know, he's a uh, spent most of his career in the American Athletic Conference and generally played decently well for a lot of his career there too. So um hats off to Josh uh, you know wish him the best uh, I don't know any any reaction to that we also heard he could have ended up at ECU which is basically in his hometown Pitt was an option. I don't know what do you how do we feel about Houston
1: yeah, I think it's a great spot for him. Um, he said that he feels like he can go in there and be the missing piece and you know be an immediate impact guy which of course he's just gonna have the one year and I think he can do a great job there. You know, it's funny, when you look at Houston for you know, for as dominant as they were offensively and defensively, especially in in terms of the American, they they didn't have a player contribute who was over 6'8 this season. And a lot of their a lot of their contributions came from guys who are a lot smaller than that. Carlton comes in at six eleven and he's gonna be a beast in the middle of the in the middle of the paint for Houston for this coming season. And I think he can be an excellent contributor, whether he's whether he's a starter, whether he's a whether he's a candidate for all A I don't know, I, I'm not as familiar with Houston's roster construction or how the American's going to look next year, which is a great feeling, um, not having to worry about what the American's going to look like. But, yeah, full credit to Josh. He, I think that he can be an immediate impact guy down there. And, you know, he did a really great job from a much more limited role uh, this past season. But he's shown that he can you know, he can compete in the American on a day-to-day basis. So I think that's a really great move for him.
0: Yeah. And, you know, obviously Kelvin Sampson's a terrific coach. He'll, he'll, he'll be in good hands down there. I, I have no doubt that we'll be, uh, you know, he'll have a, a good opportunity, uh you know, ahead as long as he, yeah, you know, he 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 knows what's up. He he's a hard worker. He's a good kid. He'll 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 do great there. I uh, you know, and that's nice too. Like we had it this year with Alterate Gilbert. Like, I, not that I necessarily need any reason to ever pay attention to the American again, but there is something kind of nice about just being able to be like, all right, well, somebody I, I like, you know, I'm invested in it. I am invested in, and in who I like want to see succeed is kind of in somewhat familiar terrain. So it gives me a reason to kind of pay attention and be like, okay, so here's what's going on back in the the other place and, uh, you know, give me someone to root for. So so that, like, instead of wishing for Giant Meteor every time one of those games comes on, (laughs) I can turn on Houston, Memphis next year and just be like, like, Josh, just dunk these fools directly into the earth's core. Just kill them. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Well said.
0: Gives at least one protagonist in that. uh, I don't want to malign the, the, the coaches and the athletes who play in that league, but I don't have time for the rest of those. Those that to those teams at all. Not, not one bit. Yeah. So, um, a couple quick things before we wrap up this past weekend was the 10 year anniversary of Yukon's 2011 national championship, which is uh, a pretty wild. So, um, that's a subject I'm sure we'll, I'll probably have a whole episode on at some point. So rather than dive too deep into that, Tim, I, I wanted to ask you if there's any particular story from that weekend of the final four that stands out to you all these years later, it could be something super dumb, as simple as going to the dining hall and I don't know, having a conversation or I don't know, just some other w- wild and crazy stuff. Anything stand out to you about that weekend? Uh, just looking back 10 years later, it kind of, you know, where, look, you know, yeah, Go go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> no,
1: I mean, obviously, that was my freshman year, so that was really special for me to be part of that. And some unbelievable memories, you know, especially, like, as the year progressed, like, becoming one of the guys who's in the front row at the games all all the time and, you know, was with guys like, you know, Kyle Campbell, a.k.a. Pink Hat Kid, and um, Marty, who was famous for his striped overalls, and, you know, all those guys. They became such an in- incredible part of my life that year. But from you know, from that weekend, um, for me the the most the part that always sticks out, and I actually I talk about this a lot, was the final four game against Kentucky, and you know my fr- my friends in my dorm and I had been watching the games together from the from the first weekend, and you know we went through an emotional roller coaster together with Arizona and the ball that hung in the air for ten years, so we really like we became really close during that and. So the morning of the Kentucky game, I get a text message from a friend from home, who was like, "Hey, we're gonna come up and hang out with you tonight," and I'm like, "No," and he's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "I'm. You can come. You can like. You can hang out in my dorm, and it'll be fine. Like, you can be there, but I am not paying any attention to you because UConn is playing Kentucky tonight for a spot in the national championship game. Like, I think you understand, but you." don't don't understand at the same time what you're doing right now. So, I was with all my friends down in the down in the lounge. My friends from home wanted to go back up and just like hang out together in my room. It got to a point where there were like 6 or 7 minutes left in the game. I was really stressed out because I was on the small TV in my room with friends from home who wanted to just like not pay attention to the game some UConn makes a big play. I forget if it was Napier or Kemba hit a big shot under the hoop and a friend of ours, Ben Elaine ends up, he was down at the final four and he, it was when he ended up on TV with his, his hands on his face and he's like freaking out. And I, I think, you know what I'm, you might know what I'm talking about. I know.
0: I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: And I, an iconic shot of a, of a good friend of ours. and, at that point, I was motivated. I turned around and I say to my friends in the room, I'm like, screw you guys, I'm out of here. And I go rushing down to the lounge in my, in my dorm and just spend the rest of the game with my friends. And we win, we all start going nuts. We are running laps up and down the halls of our dorm room or of our dorm building. And as I run past my room, my friends open the door and they're looking out and I flip them off and I'm like, screw you guys, I'll see you later. And my friends and I all sprint up to the student union to get together with the entire rest of campus who got out there to celebrate together and to, to all be together for that moment and you know, just go nuts because we were on our way to the national championship game. And obviously two days later, Another similar celebration, a little more crazy, but a really a really special moment just to be part of all of that in uh, my freshman year.
0: So I'm compelled to ask: Did you and those kids ever like talk again after that? <laughs>
1: um, you know, you do grow apart from your friends from high school as you go to college, but you know, I did. I did talk to some of them like beyond that. I was still friends with them a little bit, but. Um, Yeah. We're like, I'm not really close with any of those people anymore. I'm the people that I'm closest with are, you know, the people who I haven't seen in a couple of years, but I can show up at Madison square garden and it's like a family reunion almost.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's a, I don't blame you for how you handled any of that, except I may have T- I may have chilled out a little bit on the you know, the double bird uh you know, hallway celebration, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it
1: was only one. It was only one.
0: <laughs> well, even still. Wow, man. Yeah. Shoot. No, I yeah. <laughs> That's good. So I'm trying to think. Like I don't I, I didn't flip, I didn't, you know, cuss anybody out during uh, you know, my trip to the final four. Uh I, yeah. I, I just it did just remind me though, I mean I wish that like because of the pandemic, there's no way that this could have possibly happened responsibly, but one thing I do there was, you know, something obviously, that, you know, that was similar to this final four with that one was you had an eleven seed in the final four, VCU yeah. uh, reached uh, came out of the first four much like UCLA did. They win five tournament games to make the final four, and uh, they lost in the semifinal in a, in a well. A much less exciting game than UCLA-Gonzaga, which you and I have to, we're going we're gonna to have to talk about that actually too, but let me just finish yeah. this story first. And um, so yeah, so VCU, they're eliminated. And like the entire VCU student body like took buses up from Virginia to Houston. There were so many of them. It was crazy. They like, they showed up and they took over the whole place. It was something to see. And so after the semifinal loss, they're, you know, they're still in town for a couple more days. And they're like, well, what do we do? So it just so happened that, like, I don't know, all of them were at the same hotel as the media. So, you know, that morning I uh, wake up, me and Matt McDonough and Colin and whoever, you know, the whole the whole daily campus crew. We had the press conferences. So we go over to uh, across the street to the football stadium where everything was happening. We do our work. We do our stuff, kind of write our stories. We go back. And when I get back, uh, some of the uh, Yukon people who are just kind of hanging out at the hotel too, has set up by the pool. And, uh, you know, they had like some case of beer. I mean, Matt and I weren't 21 just yet, but whatever. We were like two months away from our birthdays and these guys were 21. So we're like, screw it, whatever. Nobody's going to bother us. (laughs) So we just like post up by the pool and just have like, you know, start, you know, having some beers and hanging out. And like over the course of like the next like two or three hours, we were joined by first one. And then maybe two or three, then by 12 or 20, and eventually by probably 200 VCU fans who just descended upon this pool (laughs) and turned it into just like just the kind of pool party you see on like, you know, MTV spring break documentaries. It was wild stuff. So, you know, we're all just like just like it was like it was one of the best parties I've ever been to honestly so just getting to know these VCU people and you know hey look their team is out but they're like having a blast because they're like dude we just made the final four like VCU was not a thing yet I mean the past decade VCU has continued to be competitive they've had some nice tournament runs and whatever but this was like for them this was like the, their like Super Bowl, like one time only, like you are never gonna get a moment like this again type of thing. And so they went hard. It was so much fun to just kinda hang out with them and just bask in that glory. Also being like, Oh yeah, by the way, we play for the national championship tomorrow <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's unbelievable. Like yeah. that was such a like I I remember hearing about VCU doing that for their for their students and getting everyone down there uh, it was just, it was so cool to see them make the final four that year. And obviously, what it's done for Shaka Smart's career. And just like really quick, like uh, when my cousin really started getting into college basketball, when she started going to URI, um, I, I really wanted to go to a game with her. And the one that I ended up circling on the calendar, I think this was like the 14, 15 season, was VCU. Because I, like, it had gotten to the point where I really wanted to see that program play because I was so impressed by what they had done and what they had continued to do since that Final Four. So it was cool for me to go see Shaka Smart against Dan Hurley and and they were playing on CBS Sports, so for them this was like their national moment. Like for URI it was this was the game playing against Shaka Smart's VCU on CBS sports and it was just the like it was just such a cool vibe for that to be the case and such a great a great testament to what VCU had done in those few years.
0: Yeah. So unfortunately, because of the pandemic, I strongly doubt that UCLA's fans got to throw like this giant, you know, wild pool party at the media hotel. And I don't even know if, it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't even know if Indianapolis is necessarily as nice as Houston is this time of year. I'm guessing it's probably not. But yeah. we do, I feel like we need to just talk about this because, you know, obviously we, in this podcast, we talk about the greatest UConn basketball games ever played, but I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that UCLA Gonzaga may have been one of the best college basketball games ever played, bar none. Did yeah. uh, you, you watched it live, right? You, you must've, right? Yeah. Yeah. How dope was that game? It was amazing. I couldn't, be- yeah, it was, I couldn't believe it. Like not only was the, the ending great, but, but the beginning was great and the middle was great and the end of the second half was great and overtime was great it was just nonstop awesome like a lot of these like great games that we always think about are like really the ending was great like you know or whatever i don't know like like so I'll, I'll, this isn't college basketball but super bowl 51 for instance is i think you know the greatest you know, game I've ever seen just because of just how like wild. And this is the Patriots, uh, Atlanta Falcons game for those who don't remember just because it's how, how wildly improbable and just ridiculous that game was. But actually really it was only the last, like, you know, from like basically the fourth quarter on was really the good part before that, that game was pretty bad, like pretty one-sided a lot. Not, it it was certainly not a a complete game of, you know, well-played, well-executed football. And this game, you know, this, you know, Gonzaga UCLA was never more than a two possession game, except for like one time. I think Gonzaga got a seven point lead for like a moment. Otherwise, it yeah. was really close throughout. Both teams made a ton of shots. You know, they're, 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 this is like the anti Maryland, you know, Yukon game. Like both teams were make, making tons and tons of baskets. And UCLA, man, like they were being limited to mid range jumpers, not the shots you want in 2021. And it just kept knocking them down. Over and over again. It was nuts. I couldn't believe it. And then against Gonzaga. Yeah. It was it, it, was, it yeah. was A A plus basketball from well from UCLA. You know, maybe maybe A minus or B plus for Gonzaga, I guess, but still, like you do not see that level of play in college basketball in that sort sort of spot, like hardly ever. And that's before we even yeah. get to the madness that happened at the end. My God. Geez, yeah, so, I don't know, before I dominate this conversation, what what was your, what were you thinking just watching the game unfold and just, like, having that whole thing go down?
1: I think you touched on it all perfectly, and I think you add in the fact that UCLA was an 11 seed out of the first four. Like, that just makes it even more amazing. Them against the undefeated number one overall seed, like, I think the game that it's being compared to a lot is the Duke-Kentucky game from 1992, which... You know, I obviously don't have any experience with that. It was four weeks before I was born. But, you know, that was the one in two seed in the East region. That was the one in six teams in the AP poll. This was Gonzaga against an 11 seed. And the 11 seed is an elite all-time program, but still not, you know, not a great team in the grand scheme of things and was unbelievable on the night. And was a couple seconds away from sending this to double overtime, and it just took an unbelievable shot to win it. Like this, like the game had literally everything you could want, and I think that game alone encompasses what March Madness is.
0: It was it was so great. I, I I was just had a big goofy smile on my face the whole time I was watching it. Like it was you know, and I think like you know UCLA was an eleven seed, but I think by the time you know they've won five straight tournament games before they even get to Gonzaga. So I think it was pretty apparent by this point that something had clicked and they had just like leveled up from whatever they were before. You know, Mick and we, we we love bagging on Mick Cronin on the show. We've done it lots of times before. <laughs> I, I got to say, he I, I, he won me over this tournament run. I mean, he that dude can coach and his that team was like great by the end. It, you know, had some UConn 2014 vibes like... You know, sure that you know UConn 2014 was a seven seed, so a little bit different. But like once you got to the Florida game, you you knew like they were they were all they had developed into one of the best teams in the country, bar none. And UCLA, whatever they were at the end of the regular season, that team was awesome. They 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 were that was the best performance I've ever seen by a double digit seed in in March Madness period. Like you know usually you know like teams like Oregon State have those great great couple wins and then they eventually they fade or it fizzles you UCLA just kept getting better and better and better and it just speaks to just how great Gonzaga was that they were able to overcome that i mean my god and Jalen Suggs holy crap the the block and yeah. the pass that he had and then obviously the game winner just it was, i i so do you ever I'll figuratively say, like, oh, I I jumped out of my seat when I saw that happen. I legit jumped out off my couch when he hit that shot to win the game. (laughs) Straight up jumped out of my seat, hands on my head, you know, internally screaming, just, like, plastered all over my face, basically. Like, I I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What? Did he actually just do that? Just, it was wild stuff. Um,
1: Yeah. My girlfriend and I both screamed when it happened. And I think it's worth pointing out, Jalen Suggs paid – best friend there's they are clearly you know two players who have grown up together and just pushed each other to be great and unbelievable just it's so cool for both of the like for what both of them have done this freshman year
0: yeah big year for minnesota basketball um also big year for scoreboard tables or whatever or whatever i don't know big big <laughs> week for scoreboard tables like you know after he hits the shot jalen suggs jumps up on the score you know the on the table and just like just basking in the glow and he's like yeah you know, kobe and d wade used to do that and i'm thinking buddy you just missed out on the perfect comp call it el amin from you know maybe the the other than you perhaps this the best you know college basketball player to ever come out of minnesota or i don't know don't film fact check me on that i don't know who else has come out of minnesota (laughs) famously jumping on a scorers table after making a buzzer beater so continuing a proud tradition of uh, badasses from Minnesota. So now all we need is Paige Beckers to jump on some scores table at some point next year and just clown on whoever it is that she beats and, you know, wh- whoever heart she breaks at that point. And uh, yeah. we'll,
1: oh, I can absolutely see that happening.
0: Yeah. So if anybody has who would listened to this show has Paige Beckers is the be like, all right, you, you got to jump on a table next year. I don't care when or how just do it. She already <laughs> tapped Gina. Hey, look, she already tapped Gino uh, Gino R.E.M.'s button got away with it. So I'm sure she could do that and it'll be just fine.
1: <laughs> True.
0: Oh man. So, um, we should, I should probably also clarify too. We, we're recording this. It's like in the uh, eight o'clock hour. So Gonzaga Baylor tips off in about an hour from now. So we don't know, like by the time you all hear this, Gonzaga will either be undefeated national champions or they will be the 2007 New England Patriots. And, uh, you know, let's just say that one of those outcomes is better than the other. However, that <laughs> Jalen Suggs and his performance in the semifinal, that is legendary and that will that's yeah. that's gonna that's not going away ever. Um I have one more this Can I just this- say quick? Sorry, oh, go ahead. I was
1: just gonna I was just gonna say, you know, we talked about how great, you know, Mick Cronin also won me over. The poor guy. It happened to him again.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: like- <laughs> the same thing more or less and, but, except this time you ucla had only tied it they hadn't taken taken the lead but still
0: and it was a guy named jalen oh. too yeah unbelievable oh stuff yeah he, he must have just been he must have just been having flashbacks and just like like what did i do to deserve this like <laughs> it was so unbelievable oh man um Shoot, I just lost my train of thought. I was about to say something and I completely forgot. Oh, I'm
1: sorry. You were gonna, you were gonna make a comparison to something?
0: Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Of course. So you know the other. I was thinking. I was so obviously Kentucky Duke 92 is the game that's been brought up most frequently about. Like, what's the best college basketball game ever? So I was only two years old, so I don't remember it. But I, from what I hear, it was it was awesome. So yeah. what are what are the most more recent comps? Well, obviously the 2016 national title game, Villanova UNC really the most direct comp because you had a buzzer beater win yeah. the national championship. And, you know, Marcus page hit that crazy almost game winner right before just, you know, there was some, some wild stuff in that game. And uh, also if I recall a very competitive and close game, so that's like yes. probably the next, I guess you can, I guess different people can rank them differently. I guess I, I'm not, I don't think we really need to You know, say this is the best ever. And if you disagree, then you're stupid. None of that. But yeah. there was one other game that this reminded me of, uh, the 2010 national championship game, the Duke Butler game, that game yes. also very close throughout. In fact, that's the only game that I really can remember is thinking in the moment while I'm watching it, like, wow, this is a great game. Like it's been a five point game the whole time. Like you really don't get many of those where there, there's no run ever. It's just back and forth, back and forth. You're, you know, maybe Duke is up by a few points. Okay. Now here comes Butler. Now they're up by a few points and on and on we go. And they almost had the same ending too. So 11 years later, I finally, we collectively finally know what it's like when they hit the half court shot to win. (laughs) Because I feel like we were, you know, because obviously the only knock against Duke Butler was the wrong team won. You know, if Butler had won that game and if Hayward had hit that shot at the end. I mean, I certainly remember in the moment being like, man, if Gordon Hayward had hit that shot, I may have jumped out my window. I would have celebrated so hard. And in this yes. case, it was like, okay, so this is how that would have felt. Awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man, there's so many what ifs that come from that. I feel like it just would have, like, that, first of all, that shot, I can't believe it didn't go in. But I just feel like it would have said shockwaves throughout basketball in general, like, where did, like, you know, obviously, Brad Stevens went on to coach the Celtics after another championship game, but man, what happens to him? What happens to Duke? What happens just across the landscape of college basketball?
0: I don't know like, if much really happens. I just know that yeah. the answer to what's the best shot in college basketball history would have an Wouldn't unassailable number one. And I don't, I can't yeah. imagine any, I don't even know how you could compare. Like, I don't know. I mean, Jalen Suggs, like, if Gordon Hayward hits that shot, Jalen Suggs' shot is not as, would not have been as good as that. I mean, it no. would have been close, but, you know, Chris Jenkins' game winner against, you know, Villanova was like a conventional three-pointer. It wasn't like a circus, you know, like, you know, mad, you know, crazy, like, shot like yeah. Hayward's was. I mean, I guess technically, if you want to get weird, like, you know, Jalen Adams' game winner against, uh, or, sorry, his, his game-tying shot against Cincinnati in the AAC quarterfinals would have probably qualified. But that was just, like... If Gordon had made that, that would have been pretty lucky. Jalen making that shot was about as lucky as anything as anything has ever happened in <laughs> basketball. So even that wouldn't necessarily quite hold a candle because it's, you know, Hayward yeah. is a, you know, a very successful NBA pro who was always capable of making a shot like that. You know, Jalen Adams is a fantastic basketball player who's had a good career and, you know, professionally overseas. But, like, that was not a skillful shot. <laughs> it, was just, no. it wasn't a skillful shot. It was... <laughs> It was just, just what, you know, it was, a, and it was an answered prayer.
1: Yeah, man. Like that shot that Jalen Suggs made, that's just like, it was, it almost, it looked like by design too. Like that's exactly what Gonzaga would have drawn up the way they, the, the way they got the ball and the way they got it to Suggs and the way they just cleared the path for him to get that shot off. And from the moment it left, it left his fingers, you just knew like that was, it was brilliant. It, it was I was all in, around brilliant.
0: It was in the air long enough where I, I was just like, Oh my god! And then, but like, it didn't the process until like at least ten seconds after he made the shot. Where I'm like, oh my god, it's over. They won. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, like that, that was it. It's oh, it crazy stuff. I'm out of breath just thinking about it. Like, it, w- yeah. Were you able to sleep after that game? Because it took me a while to get to sleep after that game.
1: Um, I was, but that's, that's just because I don't go to bed until super late anyway. So I had a little time to process it. Um. But, yeah, unbelievable. And now I, I actually am just about tonight to start a new book. That's all. It's uh, that new John Gassaway book called Miracles on the Hardwood, which is all about um, Catholic schools and in in college basketball and, you know, how so many have found success. And as I'm reading the Gonzaga section, I'm going to have to go into it with a completely different frame of mind, you know, at what you know with what happened with Jalen Suggs and now what could happen in the next couple hours? You know with them being a national champion, possibly like, I, that's just it's going to be a lot of fun to read that and man, just what an unbelievable story that was it was awesome
0: and i I think one other thing that we should probably note too is that ucla was not just some random opponent that game had some real real significance for gonzaga too because you may recall there i think probably the worst loss that gonzaga's ever had in their history was when they lost in the elite eight to ucla in 2006 you know obviously adam morrison crying is a is a thing even after all these years later So, you know, when he was on the radio call for the local radio broadcast, and when that shot goes, he just goes, yes, yes, just losing his mind. I was like, that a boy. You good, good man. You know, he's, that's awesome. Yeah. And then there, there was another one too, like Bill Walton, obviously who, you know, you see one of UCLA's greatest players ever and famously a big West, West coast basketball guy Just who called, who called this like entire scenario, by the way, he like had the whole pac 12 yeah. going to the final four, even though only four teams can make it. <laughs> so he was, he was watching in whatever broadcast studio he was at and somebody like was filming his reaction to the final play. And so, you know, when Juzang ties the game, he like stands up as Gonzaga is, you know, pushing down the court and Suggs pulls up for the shot. And you can just see like a, the wildest combination of joy and despair wash over his face. And he's just like, ah, <laughs> and then he just just yeah. stares there for a while. And then he just starts clapping for like a solid 15 yeah. seconds. and I was like, you know what, Bill, you got it. That's it right there. I mean, I'm just imagining what it would yep. feel like if UConn Benz basketball was in the UCLA spot, and that happened to UConn. I I don't know. I just I'd probably be the same. I'd just be like, yeah, that was both the greatest and the worst thing that's ever happened. I'm not sure how I should feel, but I do feel like I should just appreciate this moment because yeah, these, there's a lot of emotions coursing through me right now. <laughs>
1: It wouldn't feel like the Maryland loss, that's for sure. Like, it, it, you could probably, you know, it would be tough to sleep, but I feel like I'd almost be able to sleep a little better knowing, like, okay, well, that's just, like, amazing. But you know what, for Gonzaga, like, this is so, like, it's so cool the way this is all playing out. You know, if they win this game today, two of the games that they had to run in the gauntlet are uh, USC and UCLA, and UCLA in that kind of fashion – for a West Coast team that's not part of the Pac twelve that has wanted that respect on the West Coast and obviously they've earned the respect, but to get to this point to now be on the cusp of a first national championship and you do it with two big wins over Pac twelve teams, that's like that to me just adds to the adds to the lore of it. I think that's just so so cool.
0: Well hopefully this discussion ages well in literally the amount of time it'll take for us to post it so yeah. for all we know tomorrow morning our listeners could be listening to this whole thing and be like yo Gonzaga got smoked last night like what are you guys yeah. tripping <laughs> <I> <laughs> well
1: don't know. if they do then my dad i.e. me wins money so uh you know go Baylor I guess but no whatever well, it,
0: well you know what's been fun that's nice for you congratulations on winning money <laughs> I, I will not be winning money in any of my pools this year uh, at least luckily in my family pool. So I'm like, I don't know, I'm like the Sith Lord of my family's pool. They're always trying to get me. I'm like, the, literally the, like evil. I'm like, I don't know, whatever. My, I'm, I'm an object of much derision within my family over people hating on me. And so needless to say, when I don't win, they all have a lot of fun at my expense. But luckily, yeah. first place was my uh, one of my younger sisters who's I don't know the least obnoxious about this sort of thing and runner up was my wife. So I was like, all right, all you guys who like coming after me and stuff, y'all didn't beat me at best. You tied me, you know, my, my dad, who's the worst and who, and whose I've, I've had the the worst March madness losses of my life came at my dad's hands. He picked Illinois to go all the way in theory. It could have been a great call. It could have worked out, but obviously it didn't. So he won't be winning this year. So, you know, shout out to my dad. Love you. You lost this year, and you cannot hate on me. All my all my other family members, good good game, and uh, shout out to my sister, good good job, and congrats on winning fifty bucks or you know or whatever. <laughs> hopefully hopefully only a year's worth of bragging rights and yeah yeah. So
1: it's so it's so frustrating because like everyone in my family knows that I'm like the sports guy. I'm the one who watches college basketball religiously. I'm the one who. When I started a fantasy football league for us last year, I was the reigning champ in my work league, which is super competitive. Like, I'm the one who, like, does this stuff and I'm the one who's supposed to win, but I didn't win my fantasy football league with my family. I actually missed the playoffs. And this time around with a bracket, I I decide sometimes that to get too cute with my picks. Instead of just going for what I know is playing the percentages and you know, playing the best odds. I picked Illinois to win the title also, and I should have just gone with Gonzaga. If I had had Illinois making the championship game and Gonzaga winning, I still would have ended up winning the whole thing because until the final four, for which I had Gonzaga, Alabama, Arkansas, and uh, Illinois, so it didn't really work out for me. But even if Gonzaga only had made it, I did well enough where I would have won the pool if I had just done the smart thing and pick Gonzaga. Well, it's, but I decide like, I try to, like, you know, I try to show off and, like, try to be too nerdy when it comes to beating them, and it it backfired.
0: Well, I'll tell you this. You know, everybody fell in love with Illinois. Really, the winning play this year was, who did you pick Baylor to reach the national championship game? Because that's yeah. that's like what's really setting it apart for everybody. Everybody picked Gonzaga to win it all. But not everybody picked Baylor to reach the national championship game. I, I don't know very many people who picked him to win, which is, you know, for people in the future who know already, maybe that could turn out to be a winning move, maybe not. But if you picked Baylor to win the national, if you picked Baylor to reach the final, chances are you probably did pretty well. So yeah. shout out to us for, you know, our foresight, you know, our foresight and hopefully we'll do better next year. So um that that'll do it for for this uh, this week and you know what we're we'll, we're back in off-season mode. So we're going to figure out I guess kind of what to do from here. Obviously we'll have some great off-season talk. You know, we got some probably some news on transfers coming in the next couple weeks and hey look, you know, we have a this a we, we haven't really done too many uh, you know, look backs at classic games since the season began. But hey, there's a a whole lot more we can cover. There's you know plenty left we never reached last last uh, summer and that's what we're going to do probably a good amount of that and you know who else knows what so tim thanks again as always thanks for for, you know i should i owe you a big thanks for just for helping carry the show this whole like season it's been (laughs) really nice that i can just be like text you on monday morning be like yo you want a pod it's like yeah let's do it so Thank you for yeah, that. Man, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm always happy to get that text I love coming on I, you know I love talking in Yukon you know any any chance I get so I really appreciate you thinking of me whenever uh, especially early last summer when you were thinking about people you wanted to talk about games and then as the season started to you know turn to me when you wanted to talk about stuff that was going on in the moment so it's been a lot of fun and I've really enjoyed it
0: yeah me too well I hope all of you guys have enjoyed listening this has been a really fun season and hopefully a building block to bigger things to come so you guys all be good. Uh, you know the drill. Follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo, M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. DMs are open. Hit me up anytime. Uh, you can email us at yesuconpodcast at gmail.com and uh follow us uh you know subscribe on apple podcasts uh spotify stitcher all those places and uh leave us five star reviews on apple podcasts uh the the, uh the yukon podcast uh landscape has expanded quite a bit since we got started and we're really happy to see that a lot of great content being done by some great people some of the you know the the newspapers have stepped up their game and been putting out some great stuff and uh you know really happy to you know helped uh I guess, provide some great content for all of you guys throughout what was a really tough year and, you know, ultimately a very, you know, interesting and fun season and uh, looking forward to keeping this train rolling. So you guys be good and uh, we'll catch you all next week.